According to research from the University of Western Michigan, it found that 20 to 50% of incoming college freshmen have not selected a major course of study, leaving colleges and universities from all across America concerned that these students are prone to leaving their institutions. Could a better sense of direction in their early educational years lead to a more decisive and fulfilling decision? Gail Swift is fiercely committed to helping guiding students to achieve their confidence to take action. Certainty in their natural abilities and clarity in their contributions. She's the founder of Plans to Prospers, whose mission is to ensure that college-bound students know their ideal majors. Swift strongly believes that your pattern predicts your path, and she joined me this week to have an in-depth discussion on how all students of all abilities have the natural tools necessary to create their own career pathway of prosperity. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. to the program and I'm excited to talk to you today about career exploration. So great to see you and thank you so very much for being here today. It's most appreciated. It is so great to be here, Kevin. Thank you for asking me. So Gail, I know that you have a mission where you're fiercely committed to helping students uh, sort of create their pathway in terms of their career exploration and build their confidence and take uh, action in their natural abilities. So I'm wondering if we can uh, start today's conversation by you just telling me uh, about all the great work that you do. <laughs> I love working with kiddos, Kevin, and I am fiercely committed to making sure that every child, every 15 year old knows their capability and ability in this world because they do have it. And I'll tell you a little later how that started with me, but that is my passion and my why for doing it is to start young for sure. I, I know uh, with uh, the advancements of uh, things like social media and today's social climate, it's uh, increasingly important to help a kid sort of cut through the noise as we were talking about before this started. Uh, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on how the advancements of social media and uh, the other societal, trig societal triggers uh, play into a career development for young people these days. 
So I'm going to not answer that directly. I'm going to take a little sidestep on that, Kevin. Absolutely. Um, because as far as like, as far as parenting and social media and molding has a lot to do with careers and what you're saying. But I think that for my husband and I, when we had kids, we decided that three things were going to be super important for us. And one of them was a, contr a contributor. We wanted our kids to be contributors in the world. And the second thing that was important to us was respect that they have respect for themselves and others. And the third is integrity. And we have used those three anchors, I'll call them as a benchmark for the headaches. <laughs> so for example, do matching socks contribute to integrity or respect or the fights that you have, do they contribute to one of those anchors? And when I use those as a benchmark, it makes decisions easier along the same lines as social media. With my kids, I it's everywhere, Kevin, as you're aware, but making sure, asking them how they're feeling after they've seen it, after they've worked with it, reducing their time on it when, when they're young. And I've always, I have the, I have a, my kids hate this. But people trump electronics every day. People trump electronics. So conversations are way more important with people than being on a screen. That's kind of a mom thing I have. Absolutely. You know, I uh, have done more Zoom calls than I can remember, Gail. I have to tell you, uh, the, the value of human connection and, and actually networking with people in person, I'll never uh, take for Granted, again, after the year and a half, we've all uh, lived through, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. I asked Swift to dive into the details as to exactly how Plans to Prosper is able to make such an impactful difference in the lives of so many young people. There is a system that I use um, that determines someone's pattern for taking action. And one of my goals and dreams, Kevin, is to change, completely change the education system right now. Completely change it. Because there are people that are left out. And so when I know the pattern that someone has through testing that I do, it encourages them to learn their way. It doesn't put them in a situation where they have to learn someone else's way. It encourages them to learn their way. So as a company, I work with schools, I work with families, I work with individuals, and I work with businesses. But primarily, what I do is I make sure that that person knows their perfect pattern for taking action and implementing it and not apologizing for how they do things, but standing firm in how they do it and growing in that. Absolutely. And I'm going to follow up with this in terms of, uh, you said that not everyone learns uh, the same way aren't given uh, necessary 
necessarily the same opportunities all the time. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on how we work to better uh, serve students in underserved uh, communities to make sure that they still have uh, the same opportunities as uh, people in affluent uh, school districts in terms of career exploration. Right. I've worked with Title I schools. I've worked with kids about to go into the system and it's like their last call, so to speak. And I've worked on the other end of the spectrum as well, as you said, affluent families and individuals. And everyone has a pattern of taking action, but I'll get a little more specific, Kevin. There are four patterns of behavior that I work with. I'm just gonna use colors, not names for now. Red deals with information. Blue deals with systems and organization. Green deals with brainstorming. And yellow deals with hands-on. The school system now, Kevin, is all about the blue and the red. But it's the green and the yellow categories of how people are innately wired to solve problems that are misunderstood. And I was misunderstood. I am a person that is naturally wired to brainstorm, have a ton of ideas, a ton of thoughts, and I switch gears, which in school was not celebrated, as you can imagine, because I was not able to focus or sit still or whatever I was asked to do, it always seemed like I was a little off. I had Tourette syndrome. I was diagnosed with that when I was five years old, which added to that, that exacerbation of mine in school. My goal for the classroom and I've worked with kids like this in classrooms and it's a beautiful thing to see Kevin. When there is a classroom and all the kids know exactly how they're wired, and if they're the red, the blue, the green, or the yellow, they have gifts. When they have a lanyard on or a way that the other students can know their gifts, like Kevin, if you're into the details and I'm not, I'll say, Kevin, can we brainstorm about this? And then you're, you will say, you know what? I need to cite some sources. I need to check my resource, whatever, the, whatever you need to do. But we work together with each other's gifts to solve the problem. And we don't just have it one way. So when the teacher gives something as a, like you need to learn, the kids work together in small groups or in a large group and solve the problem. And I've seen it happen and it's absolutely amazing when they can use their strengths to do it, which just dovetails into a career that fits them. Absolutely, and I know that you're in this work because of, uh, you brought it up in your uh, part of your last answer, but I know you're in this work because of a personal experience you had when you were uh, 15. So I'm wondering if you can expand on that a little bit for me. Yeah, this is, this is gonna get a little, yes, I can. I grew up with Tourette's syndrome and I was on Halidol and dopamine from when I was five years old until when I was 15 years old. 
And I also have a natural ability to have a lot of things go on at one time and switch gears and not necessarily finish everything I start. And yes, that is a talent. (laughs) It is a gift. I don't have a need to finish everything I start. But as I said earlier, it wasn't celebrated in school. So I would be, I felt bad for having these gifts. The testing that I do now wasn't around when I was in high school, Kevin, and I felt less than, so much so that I fell into a serious depression and I wanted to not be me anymore. I wanted to be someone who was cool and who was pretty and who had it all together and who could sit there and read And so I overdosed on the medicine, the very medicine that was supposed to calm me down. I took four times the lethal amount of medicine. And my doctor was shocked. My neurologist was shocked that I lived through that. Now, if I knew how I worked, the question is, if I knew how I worked, Kevin, would it have saved my life? I'll I'll tell you one thing, it would have prevented me from looking to everyone else for the genius that was already inside of me if I would have known that about myself at the time. That's why I work with 15-year-olds, because that happened to me when I was 15. Yeah, well, I have to uh, commend you with all all of the great work that you've done. You know, I've checked out your bio and the work that you've done and certainly overcoming obstacles is something I know a thing or two about. And I'm, I'm tremendously honored to have this conversation with you. And I want to commend you for all the great work that you've done. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. Thanks. So Gail, I'm, I also want to tell you that I live my life through a simple motto that in, inclusion is the gateway to independence. And I've uh, dedicated most of my adult life to making sure that employment equality and equity for people with disabilities is a real authentic reality. So I'm wondering your thoughts on how we can better service students with disabilities so they can uh, enter their desired career paths. Absolutely. I want to make sure, I want your listeners to know specifically too, Kevin, that I work with a third part of the mind called conation, conative. It's the doing part of the mind. And if you're born with CP or if you're not born with CP, Kevin, we both, we all have the same capability and pattern to solve problems and create solutions. It looks different. Okay, it looks different. For example, the last, the yellow line that I talked about is a need for someone to use their hands to create. Now, if you're born with CP and you are not able to really grab on or hold things, you're going to find a different way to do it. You're still going to create. So, do you see what I mean? It doesn't have anything to do with how you solve problems. You'll still do it, it just looks differently. And a job with this talent would be a builder, a craftsman, a chef, could be a pilot, a gardener, someone that has a need to get their hands on things and create them. 
Absolutely. You know, as a, a motivational speaker, one of the things that I use all the time when I start uh, speeches is that uh, everyone's definition or portrait of success is going to look differently. So I uh, can uh, concur with that statement for sure. But I'm also curious to ask you about uh, the positive impact you think your work has made and some of the uh, success stories that you would be willing to share with me this afternoon. Oh my gosh, Kevin, what a great question. Absolutely. I have worked with parents who've called me in a panic and they've said, hey, my son or daughter wants to switch gears. They wanted to go into this major and I know you can make sure if this is right. So I do, I test them. They go through my program, which takes about a week or two. With coaching, it takes longer, but I very clearly determine if they, if the nurse or physical assistant, that was the splitting hairs. They, they were a PA and they wanted to be a nurse. And so I have them take a career assessment and Kevin, it's the only career assessment in the world that takes into consideration how someone solves problems. So there isn't a career on there that isn't made for you. And out of 1,243 careers, it ranks them in order of sustained success for that individual. So I've helped parents determine majors. So not a dime is wasted on education. I just worked with a seven-year-old, a third grader, who was about to go on medication like I did for ticks. Third grade was a horrible year for me. And after assessing the child and working with the parents, he's not going on any medication. They canceled their doctor's appointments. And I'm having them work with the child on a cognitive level, on his level, to know his pattern. And a year later, things are amazing with this child. And I'm also working with a 20-year-old male right now who, like tons of kids, have been in a huge slump for the last year and a half. And so the point of what I do is to encourage them to take action. And so in their pattern, it's the smallest step, Kevin, to encourage action. And since it's in their lane, they love it. And I don't try and move them off the mark of where they're at, but I'll say when you're ready, this is how you will perform. This is your best work. They're like, you're right. It is. And so it's easy to do the small task in front of them. Those are a few success stories that I'm working with right now. Absolutely. Well, I want to commend you again for the, that great work, but I'm also uh, curious to ask you about the importance of vocational education and whether you think there needs to be more investment into that so that uh, more kids have a uh, more of an opportunity to explore more careers? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. I have a son and my 13-year-old right now, he welds, he's tiled, he roofs, he's worked with excavators and bulldozers when he was 11. He is naturally talented at using and working with big equipment. And his ideal career, Kevin, listen to this smoke jumper. Oh, that's a new one. Jumping out of a helicopter or a plane and putting out a fire. 
That's important work. It is important work. It is absolutely. So school for him will look like an 18 month, maybe, maybe two 18 month vocational schools. Mike Rose, Dirty Jobs has a welding program that we're looking at right now for him. So vocational schools, absolutely, yes. And I was also curious to get her opinion on exactly how we can reform the educational system to ensure that we're giving more individualized attention to each student who needs it. Absolutely. So when I work with a school, when I work with an eighth grade class or a freshman, sophomore class, I will go in and assess every single student. So by classroom, they'll be in a lab and then they will take two tests. They'll take what's called a student aptitude quiz and they'll take an OpGig career assessment. Then the next time I come back, I meet with groups of kids based on their color and I bring them into a group and I specifically tell them their amazing contribution to the world, to their life, and to the school. And I bring the groups in by color. Then when it's all done, I meet with them as a whole and we go over the career index because it's exactly in line with how they're working. When I leave, if a teacher is interested, Kevin, in having this in their classroom, I think it costs $1,000 for the teacher to administer this for the class. The kids have lanyards around their neck. So when they go into the classroom, they'll put on their lanyard and they very visibly, and the teacher has also their colors up in the front on their desk, but very clearly the students cross all barriers and use those kids for their talents. So if there's a project-based assignment, they'll go to the yellow kids. If they need to know the assignment and what's next, the agenda, they'll go to the kids with the blue line. And if they need to brainstorm on some amazing ideas, they'll go to kids with the green line. So everyone has a purpose. And Kevin, when everyone is in their lane, using their talent, suicide is down, grades are up attendance is up. Motivation for learning is up. And they have confidence to go out and be themselves in the world and do what they do best because they're learning in the classroom that their talents are valuable and needed. That's how I use this in the classroom. And I know that's the part of the job that excites you the most, isn't it? It is indeed, yes. (laughs) You can probably tell, yes. Yeah, well, uh, again, that's the power of research before an interview, right? You find out more about about people by reading. What, What a concept, huh? Thank you for doing that, Kevin, yes. Absolutely. Again, I'm curious to ask you about uh, your former career. You shared with me before this started uh, that you had a a career as a a former television personality and journalist and as a a, a former community um, um, 
reporter myself, I found that to be interesting. So I, I'm curious if you would be willing to share about your career pivot as well. <laughs> sure, that, that's kind of funny. Um, we were, I was just talking about that this morning with a friend. I started my career at NBC in Duluth, Minnesota, which as you're familiar with television markets, Kevin, is I think 134. Yeah. So there are 215 television markets in the United States. I know you know that. And so I moved, I, I asked the um, NBC person, I asked the news director and sales director in Chicago. I said, if you had a daughter my age, where would you tell them to go if they wanted to get into television? And they said, far away, <laughs> move away, go to a small market. And so I did my research and I wound up in Duluth, Minnesota, and I was there for four years. And then I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I worked at WCCO, the CBS affiliate for a year. And then I moved to the NBC affiliate in Madison, Wisconsin, which is market 84. So I did bounce around um, WCCO in Minneapolis was market 12. So then I went to Madison and then I was national sales manager about halfway into my seven years there. And isn't it true, Kevin, that people can be so good at a job and not be fulfilled at all? <laughs> That's 100% correct, yeah. You know, one thing I tell people too is a job isn't everything and you have to be willing to sort of give yourself a, a, a per, personal self-assessment and sort of also have something that connects yourself to your inner interest. And what I mean by that is making sure what, why a workplace job is important. It's also important for you to, to find whatever you're innerly passionate about and turning that into a career. So I'm also wondering your thoughts on that as well. So along those lines, I was national sales manager at that station and it just wasn't working for me anymore. And I left. So I, I, I left, I quit. I didn't have any kids. I didn't have another job. I did have trust and I did have faith. And I, I committed to working on myself and figuring out what would be in my lane, what would be my best career, the one that I wanted to do, and I'm doing it. I quit in 2003, Kevin, it is 2021. I've been doing this um, since 2016. So I did have quite a bit of time to figure it out and try things on, but I am doing it right now. And I'll be doing it for the next 25 years. It's all when you can turn a passion into a career, it's not working, right? So yes, absolutely. Yes, my, you're very right. My philosophy as well. But I, my final question for you, Gail, is I'm, I'm curious to know about how you want your uh, personal legacy to be defined both uh, personally and professionally. I would love to change the educational system right now that would be an amazing legacy. How I'm doing that is one classroom, one student at a time and sharing with them their ideal way of taking action and their strengths that do not change over time. They're born with them. They're not going anywhere. 
and giving them the language to use with adults and people that they think are a big deal and respectfully requesting that they stay in their lane. That's how I'm doing it. And that's the legacy that I would love to leave um, is to make and have contributors of the people that I work with. Absolutely. And how can uh, people get connected with you if they're so inclined to do that? I'm so glad you asked, Kevin. My phone number and my email are probably the best ways to do that. Fantastic. Well, I want to wish you uh, the best of luck in uh, continuing to change the lives of uh, students and, and, uh, and uh, one educational system at a time. I really enjoyed our conversation and I want to Thank you for the great work that you do for taking my questions this afternoon and for sharing your expertise. It's most appreciated. Thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate the time.